0: you're listening to sacred sips the podcast that normalizes uncomfortable conversations about spiritual topics that normally stay hidden in the shadows i'm Rochelle paillet an intuitive channel and i'm serena Myers, an author and sacred transformation coach and we're glad
1: you're hanging out with us today grab your favorite bevy kick back and let's jump in
0: welcome back to another episode of sacred sips we are grateful to have you here as always i am rochelle with my magnificent co-host and bestie serena myers and before we even dive in what what's in your cup today serena the all-important question because this is a virtual tea party so let's do it
1: um i'm having an iced white chocolate mocha it's uh it's a starbucks original and it's not very original but it's tasty and it's full of
0: caffeine. How about <laughs> I, you? I'm drinking a beautiful David's Tea, Cherry Blossom Tea. So I just felt like I needed a little bit of that warmth of floral. Cherry blossoms. one of my absolute favorites. So I'm just jamming with my Cherry Blossoms. <laughs> I love David's. I
1: know that it's like, you know, at the mall and like that kind of discounts it in some kind of cool bougie circles. But they have such yummy teas I have I just ordered a whole box of them to take with us on our move. And I'm like, I'm so excited that I get to start a new home with a whole
0: bunch of new teas because that's the kind of girl I am. (laughs) And for those of you catching up with us, we haven't talked about this, but Serena is going to be moving. So I am losing my beautiful pillar of light in the city, but I'm also thrilled of this next journey for her and her wife. There's uh, some pretty juicy stuff cooking up there. It's going to be cool. I won't be far, and we're still going to be recording, so don't you worry. Because I mean, like even though
1: we're in the same city, we're recording from our own homes right now anyway. So We'll be hanging out with you in the exact same way. It's it's It'll be transparent to you. It's just going to be that we're, we're going to be missing each other. That might mean we, we love on each other a little more in these episodes, and if so, apologies in advance.
0: <laughs> so what are we talking about this week? So today we are diving into sacred anger. Now, for those of you that don't know, Serena has written a magnificent book called Sacred Anger. Highly, highly suggest to read. Yes, I'm plugging that. No, she did not ask me to do that. <laughs> I didn't have to. You're amazing. (laughs) But so anger for me this week has been, the last week has been very much needed to move through a lot of really stuck stagnant energy so we thought why not pair this expert you know who also has her own work with anger over the years and really help us navigate the conversation because anger can be felt as though it's a negative emotion a lot of time people often compare and relate anger with negativity and hurting people when it can actually be a really potent um, yeah like transmuter of what you're going through so we're diving into that today
1: I'm really I like I love this topic I obviously I wrote a book about it so I could geek out about it forever Um, and I think like the biggest thing that I love to like start off when we talk about it is busting the myth about it being low vibe so low vibe in spiritual circles is bad like that's really what people are trying to say but they're like flowering up the language to be able to like condemn something in a in an ultra woo kind of way which is bullshit that's what we do we have honest conversations about spiritual things and we call that kind of crap out so Um, I would go so far as to say that anger is very high vibe, not fun, not joyful, not, you know, like, you know, I don't think high vibe is necessarily good, but if we're talking about actual frequency, actual vibration, anger is very active and it is a higher frequency that moves a lot and is capable of destruction. Yes. But it's also capable of immense change. If we think about the social justice movement and the civil rights movement in the U S and all these different things, it started from a place of anger so it's got an ultra bad rap um which like hmm, poor anger <laughs> and i kind of feel for it in that way but i really want us to kind of break our our way of thinking of it as being a low vibration energy because it is not it is high vibration that's why it has the potency it has for good or bad
0: yeah and i also so i grew up in a household where anger was probably it was like anger or happy there was no sadness like sadness wasn't really accepted I often felt like I was made wrong to just be melancholy or just feel the depths of what I did and even in my own family so my parents would fight my brothers would fight like they all would express their emotions through anger and for me I could feel it as this wave that just would take me out and I could never fight back I would almost close down and go into protection because of the potency of anger so it has the ability to shut things down if not directed in a beneficial way and this is for me why I feel it does get that bad rap because when anger is wielded as an expression of hurt or pain or inability to process another way you know things can be said that can't be taken back it can be like lashed out that blind rage anger can be a massive cause of hurt harm and destruction and abuse in this world So it's really navigating to learn to wield it in a way that is going to propel you forward in a really safe and sacred environment.
1: Yeah, and I think the reason that we have that, because that is, I would say, most people's experience with anger is that destructive place. And I think the reason for that is that no one sat down and taught us how to express it healthily, how to express our needs, our wants, our desires, our boundaries healthily. Because we haven't been like raised in a way of doing that, um, we have all these different transgressions that ends up happening that pisses us off, right? So first we didn't learn how to honor ourselves in the first place, then we didn't know what to do with the anger. So of course it's gonna come out in these really destructive ways so i mean the whole reason i wrote this book was for us to be able to understand why we have the relationship that we have with it in the first place and then say okay cool but like there's the potential for so much more and so much better so how do we get there and i think it starts off with conversations like this where we can say let's just suspend reality for a moment let's just suspend all of our beliefs that anger is bad and say like what is possible if i could wield this in a different way if i could Use it as a teacher to show me what my values are where my boundaries are what's important to me You know, is it then still something that is destructive? Is it then something that's still scary intimidating overwhelming? Um, You know, it's interesting with the way you were talking about how it was for you as a kid when I was a kid We had a lot of anger in our home uh, My brothers are both like wall punchers So we regularly had holes in the walls and screaming was pretty um, pretty common and I know that a lot of Intuitive people and it's not even women intuitive people a lot of it is because they grew up in environments like this And their sensitivity had to almost be honed as a safety device So we become deeply empathic and deeply intuitive as a way of knowing shit Like what's my exit strategy or what is safe to say right now? Or how do I conduct myself in a way so that I am protected And it's, you know, and I think that's also why we ended up, a lot of us end up shutting those gifts down as we get older, because it's not that necessary safety requirement anymore. And then we have to choose to engage with those gifts in a way that can help us and enrich our lives and whatever. It's not just about it being a primal safety factor.
0: Yeah. And that's like the biggest distinction of if it has been that primal safety factor, like how do you build a relationship with it differently? Because even for myself, like even just in general, say I was serving and I've had so many people yell at me or just have anger flashes over the years and customer service. But I would shut down the exact same way I would at home, but there was no physical threat. There was I wasn't being met in that same way where I didn't feel safe. Um, But my response to anger was very much, I am not safe right now. I need to get myself out of this situation. So when you have really had, I'm gonna say trauma connected to anger instead of it being that elevator and just really the passion that it can turn into, it's really important for you to create that dynamic to say, well, how can I rebuild that relationship with anger in a way that feels safe for me? So for me, I had to really do it in a sacred environment so if I'm feeling angry or if I need to tap into anger, I actually need to take myself away from people in order for me to express express it safely. And because then that way I have that ability to actually feel what I need to feel without then going into people pleasing or feeling I'm going to hurt someone in the process.
1: Yeah, I think that those are probably the two things because people pleasing is essentially like hurting yourself. It is a betrayal of your own needs, your own feelings, your own wants and desires in that moment. Um, and then for me I know I carry the fear of of the power of my words Um, when I was 10 years old this is so silly when I was 10 years old I was going for a walk with my stepdad and I had a chat with him and I was basically saying and I don't know how I had the emotional intelligence to have this conversation at 10 but I basically said something to the effect of like I love you I think you're really great but I have a dad and I want you to be my friend I want you to be in my life I like having you around I just don't need you to try to be my dad and in that moment, our entire relationship changed. A wall went up. He was actually kind of a bastard for a really long time. Um, and it wasn't until like way later when, there, like my, when he wasn't with my mom anymore and everything else that we could actually have like a much better relationship. And in shamanic ceremony, when I was doing a lot of like, um, not necessarily soul retrieval, but really like going back to these moments of power and these stories that were created in, the, in these moments where I cast parts of myself out, they brought me back to that moment and that conversation and it showed me that it was like this is why you fear the power of your words because you've witnessed firsthand and as a child when you're really impressionable of what happens when you quote unquote say the wrong thing what i said was actually really powerful and really beautiful to come from a child is like i can look at that now objectively and say holy hell serena how did you even know how to do that but knowing the life that he had he was still a wounded boy even though he was a grown-ass man and so he felt rejected. He felt really cast out and he felt really hurt. And I took a little piece of his heart in that conversation. And then through that ceremony, I was able to like give that back and, and so on. But, you know, when we have this fear of, of the harm that we can cause, um, it can really limit us in our relationships i noticed it even with myself as a parent i said this to my son recently when he was visiting i said you know the one thing i really regret is that when i was really pissed off at you i wouldn't even look you in the eye because i was so afraid that you could see the things that i was feeling and it was hard for me to even bite my tongue to like not lash out and not say things and not speak from my own hurt wounded places and it was heartbreaking for me to hear that like that that caused harm for him and it was like here i thought i was saving him and not only did it hurt myself because these things were going unexpressed, but I was still doing harm because I was freezing out the very person I was trying to protect in the first place. So because we don't have these tools, we didn't, we weren't given them and you know, there was no handbook, no manual of life. You know, we, we, we do our best and we try to navigate, but it is kind of finding that dance of like, how do I honor myself and how do I not destroy the other person at the same time? And it's not easy.
0: And I think you just summed it up there because we don't have control over how things are going to land for another person. Mm -hmm. So, as long as you can honor yourself and take responsibility, then that in itself, you know, you can deal with, say, whatever cause and effect or consequence becomes of it. Because as soon as we start saying, how can I not you know, have this person feel this way? It's like, we actually are not in our integrity because we're trying to make it comfortable for them. And we don't actually know how it's gonna land, how they're gonna perceive it. And at the same time, like you said, like you thought you were protecting him from harm. And then to be met with that, I would it be incredibly painful because it's like I did the very thing that I was trying to not do. And this is when we try to intuit as well, to protect other people. It's like, how do I just bring it back to me? What do I need to do to honor me? And if that's biting your tongue, if you're gonna feel better about that, then it's just accepting that that was the choice, right? And I think this is for a lot of people. We often don't want to impact people. I mean, I haven't had a lot of hard conversations in my life because I didn't want to hurt other people. But I actually left a destruction of pain in my path because I should have had the conversation sooner than later. And it just actually destroyed relationships at the end because, you know, things could have been more manageable or navigatable earlier on.
1: I know in, in some of my friendships uh, particularly in my 30s onward my friendships with women specifically I have and, and I mean like women have been conditioned to be nice and and not piss each other off and and whatever whatever and so um, I kind of bulldoze people and I don't do it on purpose it's just like I'm a pretty like bigger personality I'm quite like I don't there I can come up with a whole bunch of adjectives either way like I, I accidentally bulldoze people and I've had relationships where women didn't feel safe, either because of their conditioning, or maybe it was even our dynamic, I, I want to, if that's the case, I would like to own the responsibility of that, uh, where they didn't feel safe to say, hey, you're being an asshole right now, or hey, I feel like I'm not included, or my voice doesn't matter, or blah, 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 blah whatever it is. And one of the things I super appreciate from our relationship, and it's, you know, I know you just talked about other relationships, but one, one thing that I've engaged with, with you is that whenever I've been a dick, <laughs> like bulldozed. Not on purpose, of course. Like I'm just I I sometimes just get so so singularly focused that I kind of like miss nuance and sensitivity, frankly. Um and you don't tell me right away. You say you you withdraw a little bit and then you always come back. I know I can think of two times in particular where you've come back and I go like oh shit. And it's it's I feel like we are our relationship is stronger for having had that conversation. And I feel like I grow as a person because someone actually checked me and like If no one has that conversation, if no one says, Serena, you're being an asshole, like, how am I supposed to know? Because I'm obviously missing the cues because I'm not trying to do it on purpose. (laughs) And the thing is, like, oftentimes we don't have that safety in our relationships or we have been conditioned that other people's needs matter more than our own. And so we hold back, we bite down, we repress. And I think that this is actually one of the biggest reasons why women have a problem with anger in particular, and why we, we fear it being so destructive and explosive, because if we just deal with shit as it comes up, this is so funny, there's someone like climbing down the window behind Rochelle as we're talking. If, if we just, you know, if something happens and we talk about it, and we deal with it like in relatively close to that time of the event. Things don't bottle up. And then when we're angry, we're angry about one individual thing. We're not angry about 10 years of things that had gone unsaid, then now it blows up and it's uncontrollable and it's scary and intimidating and it burns relationships to the ground when really what we needed to do was just like maintenance, (laughs) like letting the pressure off as things take place rather than waiting for it all to build up.
0: Yeah, I would say that's the one thing like I really appreciate about us, because we don't agree on everything, but we're mm-hmm. both very respectful about it. And we can kind of hold that space for both of us to be right simultaneously, because in our hurt or in our actions, we feel justified, we feel right. And so often, I need to give that space, because I found if I battle right away, then it actually creates more harm and destruction, because it's like that person's hurt, they're experiencing it. So my protection is to take a bit of time, then it's like okay well how do I have this conversation because if it's still important for me to have then I need to bring it forward and then that way I find everyone is a little bit more receptive just with a bit of time because then we're not in the wounding because when we're in the wounding It's important to hold space for that. So both of us, you know, we don't agree on everything. I know it sounds like we always do, but I feel there's this just respect for one another that allows us to really navigate differences of opinions as well, which I really value. Yeah, I do too. And I think this is actually, we're almost echoing some of the stuff that we had in the spiritual teacher
1: episode, which was um, to have enough sense of self and enough conviction in what you feel and what you think and what you believe That you can be presented with opposing information and just be like oh cool that's that's not true for me and it doesn't mean that I'm wrong it doesn't mean that the other person is bad we don't have to create any stories about it it's just like cool like that's your jam this is my jam we're gonna go forward with our jams and and do our thing and that's fine Um, but I don't know that we I feel like there's something in our society and if you look at the comments section of basically any post on the internet you can see this happen in real time where it's like we have to convince each other of our rightness. And it turns into self-righteousness. And like, I love a good self-righteous rant once in a while. I don't do it in like the comments section because that's not where it needs to take place. But like, why can't we just be okay with a difference of opinion? I know we're kind of veering off of anger a little bit here, but this kind of like underlying friction with how we relate to each other just as people um makes things burn way hotter than it needs to be like the stakes are pretty low if someone posts a recipe online and they used regular flour instead of gluten free and i can't have gluten i'm not gonna get in the comments and be like well, it you're really much so much better if you just use gluten and oh my god i can't believe you used eggs instead of flax like who fucking cares it's her recipe let her do her thing but we do that like if we look at the comment section and like there is enough to be actually mad about in the world like we have everything happening in texas right now where women's reproductive rights are being turned upside down we've got everything happening in afghanistan where the fucking taliban is taken over we have like our own bullshit, like locally with our politics and everything else and we're gonna get be pissed off about flour in a recipe like pick your battles my friend come on and i think sometimes we use those little things as like surrogates because we don't want to have the fight about the bigger picture stuff that actually matters like we cannot fight every battle. It's exhausting and it's hard on the body. It's really hard on the system to have that much cortisol just like burning through your system. Like
0: it doesn't have to be that
1: way, it can be easier.
0: Yeah. And this is where I feel that the conditioning of duality, it has to be good or bad, right or wrong. And mm-hmm. I know, and I know we've discussed this before. It's the both and it's how do you make space for the middle? And even for me recently, um, you know, I've had a lot of PTSD come up about some trauma in my life. So I've been really navigating that. And oh, I'm like feeling the tears. Okay. <laughs> I like, Just take a minute. <laughs> There's, room. There's room for all of you here yeah. always. But like, even in discussions with Serena, she was like, how are you holding space for yourself in this trauma, but also being able to hold space for other people? And I kind of like have been sitting with that because I I've always been empathetic. I've always been intuitive. But I used to really be in the right or wrong, good, evil, bad. But here's the thing. Life is complex. People are complex. People that we love do really shitty, terrible things. And how do you navigate that? It's easier to just label. This is good. Mm-hmm. This is bad. You don't agree with me. You know, I'm going to push you out. Because that is easier than holding space for how could someone I love like hurt me simultaneously so you know, horrifically, and how do I still freaking love them? And so you get angry at yourself or angry at other people or you want people to show up a certain way. And that's where I feel the complexity is because when we're met in the middle we have to hold space for so much more and that can be really challenging so it's easier to pick apart a freaking non-vegan you know gluten <laughs> like gluten-filled recipe or to make to like try to prove your point because it's like those microaggressions where you feel you have some sense of control rather than just feeling what you need to feel and also knowing you you can just feel things without needing to label why they're coursing through you
1: while you're saying that I saw the most bizarre metaphor pop in my head. And it was that we're treating things as individual ingredients. When in reality, life is soup. It is the broth, it is the vegetables, it is the spices, it is whatever. Whereas we're saying like, no, soup is just the broth. Soup is just the chicken. Soup is just those noodles, where in reality, soup is all of it, right? It is messy, it's complex, and it's got all these different facets. And so we have to stop thinking about things in that linear way. Um, and I, I do think that we, we label things for our comfort. Um, and I, and I actually think that it is a disservice. I mean, I know like when my wife changed genders last year, I had, I went through some labeling stuff with myself about like what I expected of her and like what this was going to mean for how I viewed her as a woman rather than as a man within myself, I was like, does this mean I'm a lesbian now? Is this like, is this like an exception to the rule? Like, what does this mean for me? Um. And then when I could actually sit down and be like, I was like, I'm really like obsessing over these details. And when I could look at what, like, why am I doing this? Because like, I don't have a lot of brain power right now. I'm in like, I'm really in the thick of it, peak pandemic and everything else. It's like, what, what am I, why am I doing this? And it was like, because this is a lot more comfortable than asking yourself the hard questions, mm-hmm. which is, do you want to make your marriage work? And does this have to mean anything about you? Does anything have to change other than her gender? And then I was like, yes, I want to make my marriage work. No, nothing else has to change. And no, this actually doesn't have to be anything about me. And if I want to label myself with that, then I can, but I'm not have to. I don't have to, um, a lot of people stop at the first stage. They're like, okay, well, I just got to figure out the label. Once I have the label, everything's going to be fine. But in reality, it's like, that's a convenient scapegoat for the hard conversations with yourself about what you truly feel. And I feel like it's so funny that I was struggling with this myself because it's literally the space I hold for clients. where I'm like, I'm going to hold the space for you to have honest conversations with yourself. And sometimes that's going to be hard. Sometimes I'm going to ask the questions that are going to be a little bit challenging and you might not like me for a couple of minutes and that's cool, I can take it, like it's fine. Um, So to be able to give myself that space with the help of a lot of people, like I had you and I, I did some healing work and, and with other practitioners and stuff too, but you know, to, to give myself this space was so cool to be able to like receive exactly what it is that I do. And we can do that for ourselves or we can work with somebody, but we have to actually be willing for it to be different, be willing to be even wrong about how we see the world. And to just keep asking until we run out of questions at the bottom of the barrel, pretty much until you get just nothing left but the truth.
0: Yeah and I th- I feel like that's such an important part cuz even this morning I just would caught myself on social media and I was like both of these people in the comments did not come here for education. Uh-huh. Neither neither one of them came with an open mind to be like, hmm, maybe I'll contemplate on what you're, co- you know, what you're offering. And then both of those parties were so justified in their right and their truth. And And I think that's the piece. It's like, okay, like taking all of that, like what am I out to prove right now? Or what does this, why does this feel so important to me? Because what I actually really love about this, uh, the new generation of kids and thought leaders is a lot of things are fluid for them. Like there's mm-hmm. not a lot of labels or so they're like, why do you need to label it? Like you can just allow yourself to be in that free expression. And I think that's so amazing and it's so liberating and it makes you look at, well, why do I feel labels are important or I need to put this, you know, in a certain container or category and what protection or safety do I feel from it? So there's so many people that you can look at underneath that and I will say it's actually been really beautiful to witness Serena and her wife navigate this new territory of what life looks like and coming from an outsider perspective, I would say the conversations that were had have actually magnified both of them to just be really elevated and beautiful. And and I don't mean beauty as an external piece, but just really that connection of self for both of them. I feel they both have evolved and are just like magnificent women. So it's like to have those conversations and to do the hard work gives you actually freedom within. And I also have had people start getting really angry and irritated in sessions with me because sometimes when we hit truths that are being called to change we want to grasp onto them we want to say hey like this is uncomfortable because like I'm standing true to this and it's like was it your truth is it a value or can it be transition like who did you learn it from like why do you feel so strongly about it and so to take yourself away and just be like okay I'm just now curious it really allows this evolution of change within you
1: yeah i think that that is is the big part too it's remembering also that you have free will because just because you see it now doesn't mean you have to change it it just means you have the opportunity to change it but then it's also recognizing the role that our comfort plays because oftentimes it's keeping us complacent you know and i mean like that's i feel i feel like that's almost kind of a mean thing to say but If you are complacent in a life that feels 100% satisfying, then fuck, honey, you do you. You are on the right track, fucking you don't have to change a thing. But if you're living a life that feels like I have ticked all the boxes and this is what happiness was supposed to feel like, this is what success was supposed to be. And it's like, kind of thought it'd be better than this. That is not the time to be complacent. That's not the time to lean into your comfort. That's the time to start to ask the uncomfortable questions, to give yourself permission to dream about like what it could even look like. Um, you know, I've been saying a lot lately, like I'm helping people find the you like to be the youest you. And I, I, and I really like, if I distill that out of it's like catchy little phrase, really what we're talking about is truth. It's truth about who you are, about what you need, about what you feel, about what you desire, um, about what you wanna say about the impact you crave, even if you feel like, oh no, I'm not supposed to want to like have that attention or, oh no, I'm supposed to just like be in the backgrounds and helping people out. And no man, like if you feel the call to shine brightly, fucking shine brightly, you came here for that. Because the thing that you are resisting, if it is like your natural, if you're resisting it because you're afraid and you've got emotions and whatever, like that's fine. But like, if you know that something is your truth and you are resisting it because you think that that's not the way it's supposed to be, That's where you start to ask the questions you know and anger is like anger is a piece of that but i feel like anger is just unexpressed needs desires wants boundaries and so on and so the more the more we tap into our truth the more we live with that in more alignment the more we bring the congruence of the people we are at work the people we are as parents the people we are on the pta the people we are at starbucks the more we can bring all of those into one congruent being The happier the freer the more peace we will feel in our day-to-day life yeah
0: and i do want to say like this isn't about perfection it's not about recognizing it and then saying oh i need to start questioning because i'm going to be really honest with you last week i was pretty much a hot mess and like even though i could have opened my akashic records i could have meditated i could have done all the things in my tool belt i just couldn't and i had to really give myself permission to be and just feel and grieve and cry and whatever needed to come up for me. And it's like every time I tried to sit in meditation or put on something, I was getting these bursts of anger because I just couldn't have that space. And so there's this expectation that I should be further along in my emotion or I should be further along in that And, you know, after doing this for well over a decade and having the amount of counseling and therapy, you know, we do put expectations on that we should even be beyond these things. But here's the thing trauma works in ways that it almost feels like you're living that present moment again. So if it feels present, you need to honor that for Mm -hmm. you. And part of it, so I kind of gave myself permission just to let things that could slide slide. And then by Friday, I just was really, like, in it, like, super down, like, just unable to get out of the sadness, the melancholy, and my husband went out for the night, and there is this feeling of me of, I just need to put on my punk music from my old school days, so I literally and I even put on my headphones so it could be really intensely with me because I have these magnificent headphones that just sound vibration and I put on the angriest punk list like I'm not talking about pop punk fun like ska shit like it was like super intense like anti-plague fuck the police like really like the vibration that was pulsating through me and I actually had so much anger pour out of me that was masquerading with sadness and melancholy because that felt safer for me so Mm -hmm. when I had this space and time for myself it was just pouring out in droves I like wish I had a mosh pit so I could have just taken some of the energy out (laughs) and I was like really allowing it to move through me and I could feel viscerally the anger like really starting to transcend and so some of like so I have like a kid's baseball bat and I started hitting pillows that wasn't helping me Um, part of it like sometimes screaming I didn't want to scream I felt like my voice didn't have that permission yet like I still felt squeaky so I was like this needs to be expressed so I have this little trick that i was taught i highly in many ways don't recommend it because it's messy the cleanup is nasty and like it can get everywhere but i i was taught early in my journey for anger expression to use eggs because with anger something needs to break in order for it to be released it needs to be expressed and i find when things break whether it's ripping up paper you know tearing things like i love a good like smash room with like all the glasses and stuff like that's so fun to me but i wasn't gonna go drive myself you know, across the city to just try to get, get it going. So I took a carton of eggs from the fridge and in my bathroom, I just, with all of my might, just threw the egg. And in the past, I've had them bounce back, which has pissed me off even more. But this one just <laughs> <laughs> instantly shattered. And the the whoosh of energy, like it almost stopped me in my tracks where it was like, I like I'm, I didn't feel that same intensity and build and it was just like so I threw another one it felt even more and then I ended up throwing a third and I actually felt like it wasn't actually that necessary because the first two just dissipated so much. But that fear is like, what if there's more? Can I build more out? And it was just like a really beautiful calming down. And then I noticed after the eggs, I was able to put on still like my my punk music, but it got a bit happier, got more into my electro dance. So then I was able to even transition that night into a fun dance party of things that I used to love as a teenager. And it was a really beautiful way to honor myself, but in a really sacred container so my rage had a way to be expressed
1: yeah but i think the thing i love most first of all i didn't hear about the egg thing until you told me today and i was like damn because you said it as though it was like you're like i smashed some eggs i'm like what? It, that's not a thing <laughs> that's not like everybody knows this don't say that like it's like i drank some milk like <laughs> you fucking smashed eggs it's so cool um but what i love though is that you first gave yourself the space to feel it out so many people try to rush that process because it's so awful it sucks to fully feel our emotions it sucks to fully feel the emotions that are the masks for the other emotions like it is you know and it's interesting that you talked about how the melancholy was um, was the mask for the rage i usually notice it in the other way around that it's more convenient to be angry than it is to feel the vulnerability of being sad or lonely or hurt or disappointed or whatever it is that can come on but um the fact that you gave yourself that space before you try to move it, I think is like the missing ingredient between like most people's expression of anger because they just want to get to the outlet. And for spiritual people, they just want to like release it and get to the lesson or just get to the lesson. If they can bypass even during the work of releasing it, like woohoo, no problem, let's do that. And I feel like that's when we catch ourselves repeating patterns and being in these loops where we're like continuously like stuck in the same shit. It'll have a different face. In my case, it was a different boyfriend every single goddamn time, but it was really like, the same dynamics were playing out because i wasn't learning the lesson i was just jumping on to the next thing and so we need to have that space and i love that you gifted yourself that first before you jumped into the egg smashing um because we we need for the lesson to truly integrate we need that i want to talk about this idea of jumping to the lesson um because that my friends is a form of spiritual bypassing and i think the worst thing is that most people are doing it to themselves. And I think it's because it's also a lot easier to be with our emotions in our head where we're trying to intellectualize it, where we're trying to pick apart, like, why did this happen? Where did this come from? What does this mean about me? How did this tie into a past life or whatever it else? We can have all of these heady experiences of our feelings. And it means that we don't have to be in the heart space, which is the part that's hurting with whatever that is. And it doesn't have to just be anger, but anger I think is a really big one where we're like, oh, I just need to get to the lesson here. And there'll be times where some condescending faux guru will say to you well what are you learning from this and like fuck that guy but like in the truth it's going to be very likely yourself and i think that also taps into what you were saying before rochelle about the whole i shouldn't be here i should be having these feelings i should be over this by now can we just like remove the word should from like the inner work dialogue <laughs> like there's there's no cookie cutter approach to this it's often messy it's often sometimes confusing um and it's not like it's a linear track right we're we're doing these little zigzags cha-chas forward and backwards and upside down and sideways so there isn't any idea of like a linear road that we're supposed to be on so supposed to and should let's get them out of here because they are i feel like they're actually doing a lot of harm to us and we tend to do it to
0: ourselves yeah and i think like it's good to catch those because even for me like it was I had to consciously give myself permission to just be there and I don't know if you can hear my throat chakra excuse me right now oh my god how's that tea going on (laughs) have a little sip of that Ooh, that throat chakra. Like this happens to me quite a bit when I'm really navigating emotions and needing to talk about things like my actual voice will cut out or it gets really growly. And, you know, we can think about, you know, things like heartburn or other these pieces. But anytime for me when I really need to discuss the heart emotions, I always feel that like well in my throat, like there's a frog in my throat or my voice will crack and I can feel my throat really starting to shut down because that's part of that expression of giving yourself permission. Because I don't know about you, but growing up, it's like we're often made to think that it is a linear path that we feel one thing and move to the other. And just like we were talking about earlier, where it's complexity for both. It's like we can simultaneously feel two things at one time, rather than needing to get from happy to angry back to happy again. It's like, well, what else are we feeling with that? Why does it have to be one or the other? Why do we only need to be one tone? And so really allowing anger to just really infuse that the passion that you're feeling or maybe the boundary that has been crossed or a trauma or a wounding that you didn't realize was still there. And so often anger is a trigger for us to actually look within and say, whoa, like what is this a reaction to? Like what am I feeling so strongly about? But it's also honoring the expression of that and giving yourself that space to know that it's okay to be angry and it's okay to feel like unjust with a lot of things and it's okay to feel totally helpless and out of control because guess what a lot of the collective life events we're living we have no control over so to feel anger to just feel angry it allows you to give yourself permission to express just your emotion and not needing to kind of express to someone else this is why i'm feeling this way which we're often taught to do it's like we need to understand it rather than just feeling the collective grief or feeling that collective rage and then allowing it to move through you and then and then recalibrating
1: yeah it's almost like justifying it like oh well it's okay that i feel this because xyz but actually it's okay that you feel like this because you're feeling like this you don't need to justify it you don't need to defend it it's like just that's just where you're at right now I think the really neat thing about being on this journey and doing this work for a number of years, because I had this recently too, um, I lost my shit pretty bad, like maybe two weeks ago and on the other side of it, I was like, dang, I don't remember the last time I got that pissed. So when we do end up in those old patterns, which are the expressions of an emotion that like, you know, we had been dancing with in a little bit of a different way for quite a while. It's also kind of a nice landmark of like, look how far you've come. Look at the work that you have done. And if you're somebody who if you're like me, you kind of go nose to the grindstone. It's always kind of like looking forward, looking forward. And there's always this thing about there's still so far to go. And this is a lifelong journey, honey. And I'm saying this to myself here. There's so far to go because you still have the rest of your life to live. Like, this is something we're going to keep doing. You're going to keep returning home to yourself over and over and over again. Um, but when you're constantly looking at it that way and you're going like, there's still so far to go, you're forgetting how far you've come. And we need to take pause for that. We don't have to throw a party for it or whatever, but we need to give ourselves credit. Because when we can acknowledge the progress that we've made, we can also like build some trust in ourselves that we know what to do. We know how to honor ourselves. We know how to stand in our truth and honor our, our boundaries and and be in these ways of being. And it doesn't mean we're gonna do it perfectly every single time, but that we know what's possible and we know that we are capable of it. And that helps the stuff that's coming forward feel a lot less daunting and a lot less scary because we're like, no matter what happens, I've got the tools that are gonna get me through this. And that's gonna be good. Yeah. But we have to actually make the space for that like, dang girl, <laughs> look what you did
0: look how far you've come and it's amazing and I think that's why having friendships um or relationships that where people witness you because I know both of us will pause and be like hey like do you know how much you're processing right now do you know what how much life is brought in or like look at how far you've come to get here because when we often will like integrate it it's like okay cool next thing not realizing just how much time energy you know devotion goes into a lot of these pieces in our lives and so it's really important to to have even other people in your life because they're really a great example to remind you of how much you've done or where you're at so you don't feel so stuck in it and all alone by yourself yeah you, and you need the
1: safe relationships to do that because if you're relying on your parents for instance to be the ones to pat you on the back at how far you've come most of us will not have that experience if we are going to go back to our hometowns and have our high school reunion and expect people to be like wow you've come so far and not be catty bitches behind her back that is not going to be the kind of validation you're looking for you really need a ride or die buddy who's doing their work alongside you you guys are each like doing your thing and you can mirror this back to each other where you can reflect and celebrate on their behalf when when they're too far down that they can't see it too and you get to be that person for them as well like your your own personal cheer squad
0: yeah yeah it's like just giving yourself the full permission just to be where you're at but know that it's always gonna move like i've even in the moment when i feel like this will be forever my existence it, it never is <laughs> it's like It'll always transition. <laughs> so it's also just reminding yourself like to look internally. So yeah, if you're putting your, your value on other people, if you're putting that acceptance on other people, it's like, look at how much you're putting on other people to fulfill these needs within you as well. And then start tuning within. It's like, well, how do I choose myself? Or how do I give myself that validation? And I know for me, I've come a long way. And now I'm like, I take responsibility for the cause and effect of my actions. And that very much is integrity for me. Do people like it? Absolutely not. And sometimes I find myself getting angry that they don't agree with me, but I also have to understand that if I go and I look towards them, my choices are gonna be very different, and I really need to get solid with what I need, regardless if it makes sense to other people, because everyone looking in on our lives has their perception of who we are. Everyone is gonna have a different understanding, and it's great to get other people's wisdom our perceptions because that's what helps us expand our understanding and and to shift things but if it's just not aligning for you and you're like no like inside in my heart and my truth like this is my choice and I take responsibility for that it kind of creates this ripple wave of a lot of people not necessarily being on board with you but you're going to feel good for you because you're following the authenticity of your heart yes oh I love that I have nothing to say after that that was
1: that was so good.
0: <laughs> I love it. So shall we shift gears then and go into the reading for today?
1: Yeah. we. We'll. So if, um, if you're new to Sacred Sips, every week we like to use a different type of intuitive modality to bring forward a message for you. And um, since we're talking about Sacred Anger, we thought we would do a Bibliomancy where I'm going to intuit a page and a passage from that page to read um, from this book. So Sacred Anger, Uncover the Teachings of Your Most Feared Emotion by none other than me, Serena Myers. So let's see what we've got here. Mm -hmm. Okay. You never learned to make change. Change Change-making is a brave and sometimes lonely task. It requires a willingness to risk, to get things wrong. It means disrupting the status quo, which rocks the boat and sometimes makes people uncomfortable, yourself included. It means putting up your money, your time, your energy, your hope with no guaranteed payoff. It sometimes means going it alone, which leaves you feeling rejected, abandoned, lonely. So why on earth would anyone bother? Not changing means stagnation. It means surrendering the keys to the car that you navigate life from and permanently choosing to ride in the backseat, watching life pass you by. It means no matter how powerless you feel or how angry or how hungry for more or different, you may become that you must sit back and coast, letting those around you dictate what your life will look like change makers are shit disturbers. It's a lot easier to control people who aren't willing to risk it all, which maintains the the current power dynamic. We see this on a bigger scale like our governments, but it also happens in the microsystems of our families and communities. How often do you see people wanting to make big changes dismissed? In our social circles, visionary isn't a word that you'll see thrown around often, even when it's merited, but arrogant is. It's a lot easier to dismiss someone as being delusional, power-hungry, or out of touch with reality when their desire for change challenges our comfort for staying the same, but it doesn't make their desire for
0: better invalid.
1: Hmm. Dun, dun, dun.
0: I think that actually beautifully just sums up a lot of what we talked about today. and that... They always do, don't they? <laughs> know, like, like somehow we're surprised. <laughs> so... Yeah. <laughs> And I think that's just what, even what we talked about at the very end there. It's like change creates ripple waves And that effect is that cause and effect. And often people will say your actions have consequences. And I don't like that because it's inherently negative. It's like what you've Mm -hmm. done is a negative thing. But everything we choose to do has a ripple effect, has a cause and effect. And when we choose to live life differently or we choose an internal belief system or, hey, if you choose to express your anger that you've never expressed before, that is going to be massive in your life. And whether it feels like outwardly or inwardly, it's going to really start breaking things apart and creating a new life path. And that's going to kind of ruffle some feathers for people outside of you that are attached to you being a certain way.
1: But it's also going to inspire those of you who are watching, who are wishing things could be different, and then you become the example of different being possible. It is really, really powerful work. It's actually um, a big part of why I created my program, the anger tango, which is actually happening very soon. So the doors are now open and in the anger tango, even though we're talking about anger and we're using that as a tool to have these discussions, it really applies to every emotion, every need, every feeling. It's about giving yourself radical permission to feel it all. It's about being able to make these shifts, these changes and use your anger, your emotion, your time, your energy, frankly, to make positive impact in your world and in the world at large. And for those of you who are parents, it is about becoming a really beautiful example of what is possible to your children so that we can break this paradigm. And these patterns, these, these stories that we've inherited about what it means to live a life and to be subservient and to be quiet and to blend in and to be nice. I hate that fucking word so much to be nice. um, So that you can actually be truthful and authentically you because you deserve to live a fully expressed life. So we'll make sure that the details for that program are in the show notes. Doors um, will be closing soon. So if this speaks to you, then definitely reach out quickly if you've got any questions because I would love to have you be on this journey with us.
0: And I'd highly, highly recommend you checking out Anger Tango like Serena isn't someone that's afraid of anger, but she knows how to process it in a really beautiful way that's going to help you actually feel empowered with using it. So I like to think so. (laughs) (laughs) Once again, I may be biased, but... But yeah, hop on. It's going to be in the show notes. Uh, Hop into the links on our website and it'll all be there for you. Thank you once again for joining us on this conversation with anger. Let us know what you got from it. Like, are you comfortable with anger? You know, pop that into our Instagram feed or send one of us a DM. We genuinely love to know just where you're at and your comfortability with your anger expression. So thank you for joining. Thanks. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.